we do when the pain of the past is too much to bear? We rise above our story. Hello, I'm Chester Elton, and this is my dear friend and co-author, Adrian Gustin. Well, thanks, Chess. Yeah, on this show, our guest is going to teach us how to let go of our past by embracing every beautiful, imperfect piece of ourself, no matter what our stories look like. As always, we hope the time you spend with us will help reduce the stigma of anxiety at work and in your personal life. And with us is our new friend, Karina Kilcoin, a former trial lawyer who specialized in criminal defense, including complex white collar and criminal and civil litigation in federal and state courts. Karina now passionately shares her personal story of trauma and healing and is the author of the book, Rise Above the Story. Karina today teaches others how to rise above their own stories and find true peace and emotional freedom. Karina, we're delighted to have you on the podcast. Thanks for finding the time. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you both for having me. Well, we're thrilled, Karina, to have you. And tell us a little bit about your story. This is really intriguing. Um, First off, what you struggled with early in your life and what help you received along the way. I had a very traumatic early childhood and early adult life. My father went to prison to the federal penitentiary. He had some legal issues, you know, when I was about ages of like 10 to 12. I grew up in a very violent home. And after my father went to prison, my mother struggled with mental health issues and really had a hard time handling the stress of the family. I had, at the time, two younger siblings And I really switched roles with my mother and I helped take care of her and I helped take care of my siblings. And it was a lot of ongoing repetitive trauma for me in that situation, just the poverty and switching roles with my mother. And it really, what it did to me was it split me emotionally into this little girl who believed that she was unworthy of most things, love, a childhood. And then this maven hell bent on escape So I knew education was my way out, and I put myself through law school. And I went on to pass two state bar exams and practice criminal defense. But when I was 24, my mother died, and I adopted my then nine-year-old brother and raised him. Excuse me. And I was only 24 at the time. So there was just a lot of trauma. And what I find so interesting about being on your podcast and a message that I really want to share is this idea of what happened to me, that maven in me who thought, oh, I want to get the heck out of here, right? I ran and I tried to escape from where I came from, but also who I thought I was. And so I dove headfirst into trying to be professionally successful. And in doing that, I thought, well, if I check this box and if I achieve this and I win this trial and I get all these great clients that somehow that's magically going to heal all of this trauma that I have and all of this, all this suppressed emotion that I'm not dealing with. And spoiler alert, (laughs) none of that happened. I went on to practice law being extremely unhappy and depressed and anxious, but carrying on with this idea that this external validation was somehow going to heal me. And it didn't. So I went on my own healing journey. Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking before the show that, you know, the profession and the accolades doesn't necessarily bring happiness or, or, or healing. You know, I, I love the expression, I'll be happy when. Uh, 
mm-hmm. you know, when I get more clients, when I make a little more money and so on. And that seems to be a bit of your journey. But what lessons did you learn in being an attorney that prepared you to speak out about resilience and, and wellness and healing? I knew that as an attorney, again, that I had suppressed a lot of my own trauma and these stories I believed about myself that I wasn't good enough or I was unworthy and, and I could never be happy. I wasn't ever going to be somebody that, that, that believed that really felt like I could be happy. And really what's interesting to me is, you know, that the book is called rise above the story. And I started to really get a concrete idea about the power of the stories our brain writes for us. And these stories we believe about ourselves from my clients. So early on in my career, I was a sort of a public, a public defender. I held that role where I was court appointed to represent people. And as I watched clients just go through the revolving door of the criminal justice system, I really started to see the stories that they had about themselves, what they believed about themselves, and then the actions they took in getting involved in these crimes. And, and it really, that's when it kind of took hold for me. And I will say also, it was really interesting is that a lot of the skills I learned in law school and as a lawyer enabled me to take really complex ideas and, and matters around healing about mental health, like how your brain works in the presence of trauma. And that's a foothold in my, in my book and in my own personal healing journey. And I share that in the book and I take these really complex concepts of neuroscience and I distill them down into one chapter about how your brain's a master storyteller, because you really need to understand how your brain works if you want to heal from trauma and these limiting stories that we can believe about ourselves. Well, let's go a little further down that road of neuroscience, because from what I know, our brains put together this story, and so this really resonates, and it puts it together as this timeline, and most importantly, it's, it's telling us what we learn from our past is going to protect us from our future. That's why our stories are so important. We hold on to them so tight. So, so why is the story we tell ourselves so important? And, and, and more importantly, how do we figure out what our story is and acknowledge that? Yeah, there's so much, there's so much in that, that question. And I, and I love talking about this because like I said, it is so important in healing. So really what happens is, is that when you experience trauma, the way I describe it, super simplified, two parts to your brain, your emotional brain and your thinking brain. Your emotional brain is what fires off your fight or flight response. If you if you experience trauma and you don't process the emotions around it, the energy around it, or you experience recurrent trauma, your emotional brain is going to continue to think that you're in fight or flight. It creates stories to keep you safe. It doesn't want you to get hurt again. It doesn't want you to experience trauma again. So your emotional brain will write stories to keep you safe. And they involve usually like Oh, don't say that. They might not like it. Oh, don't do that. You'll be judged. Oh, go, don't go do that. Nobody will like pay you for that. Right. Don't go follow that career. You really want take the, take the easy job, take the, the fallback job. Right. So there's all these stories we believe about ourselves and you're right. They do create this timeline of our life. And the longer they go on, the more we get caught up in them and the harder they are to break free of. So how do you do it? You start turning on your thinking brain. This is truly the upper level of your brain, the last part of your brain to fully develop. And it's this idea where you find reasoning and judgment and compassion and empathy for yourself. 
And so, you know, the big first step of the formula that I put in the book, because this book is really my life story arched through the book, but then I used this three-part formula that I created that worked for me. I went back in my journals, what, what happened, what, what worked, what didn't work. And when I understood the emotional brain versus the thinking brain, and really what I had to do was acknowledge the story. Be honest. What is it? Is it be honest about what happened to me and be honest about what I'm telling myself, what my story is. And I use a lot of um, a few legal examples in there about how to do that. Right. There is the factual situation of what happened to you and listing that out, the who, the what, the where, the when. And of course, in that moment of time, something happened to you. Well, then your story is the subjective emotional interpretation of what happened to you. So when you acknowledge, yes, something happened to me, and then you acknowledge, yes, I wrote a story about my unworthiness because of it, you start to tap into the self-awareness and using your thinking brain instead of just relying on the default of your emotional brain. So I got two parts there. You said it was three parts, the Mm -hmm. acknowledgement of the story, and then that's that's where, you know, the facts around it. And then that's where the story comes from. So you said it's a three-part formula. What's the it's other? It's a three-part formula. The first one is acknowledge your story, which okay. is what I just described. So this idea of acknowledging what happened to you and acknowledging your story. Okay. The second part is releasing the story. And that's a lot of juicy work. That is like inner child work. That is... F- understanding how you got so caught up in your story, right? This idea that Adrian brought up, like it's a timeline of your life. It can go on for weeks, turn into months, months turn into years. For me, years turn into decades and I'm living this timeline of a story. So this idea of how did I get so caught up in it? Recurrent. And then I kept, oh, and then something would happen. It would reinforce the story. And so this idea around that and then forgiving yourself and others, that's all part of the second step of the formula. And then the third step is rising above the story, which is this beautiful part, equally hard work though, of flipping the script on your story and finding the good that happened in it. And that can be really challenging for a lot of us. And then finally, finding this deep sense of self-love, which is really what it took for me to change my narrative was that part I said about tapping into the compassion and grace you can have for yourself. Like we're taught to have it for other people, but I don't think we're taught enough to have it for ourselves. Yeah, you know, it is easier to forgive others than forgive ourselves. You made a comment that I'm I'm curious about. You said you went back into your journals. Was journaling an important part of, you know, releasing your story and getting the facts? Do, Do you journal often? Do you still journal? I do. And I journaled a lot during my healing journey because I was so rocked with shame. I held in so much because I was just ashamed of, of my childhood and that I was the daughter of a felon and the poverty I lived through and what I did to survive. So I had so much shame that I hid that. I didn't talk about that with people. And, and, and after I said like the years turn into decades, it becomes even harder to unlock that secret box but, you know, shame is so toxic. So I found that journaling helped me prepare. Like it, it felt like it was like opening the valve a little bit, right? Turning the spigot and a little bit would come out till I got to the point where I could actually verbalize. 
And I love journaling. And that's why in the book, at the end of every chapter, I include journal prompts because I want people to dig into those things that we talk about in a chapter to really help them unearth some of that deep, dark pain. This is, yeah, this is so good, uh, Karina. Your, your advice is so sound and, and practical. Uh, the book is Rise Above the Story. Um, tell us a little bit how, how people can learn more about your work. Where would you send them? My website is riseabovethestory.com. And at the bottom of every page is a place where you can sign up for my newsletter and you'll get a free acknowledgement guide. It's and my newsletter comes out twice a month and I share so many of these ideas. In fact, I just wrote one coming back from my book tour where I share like what my emotional brain did about that whole experience, which was, oh my God, why did you go out there in the world and tell all these stories to everybody, right? And then what I did to shift my thinking brain into focus. Like, how do I stop that? I I know better, right? I wrote a book about this. I'm on a healing journey. But it's so funny that your brain is a default. So I really want people to know these things. And so I I share that on my newsletter. And again, their website's riseabovethestory.com. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you're giving all those free resources as well. Uh, I want to build on something you just said there, because I think one of the reasons it's so hard to break free from our story is that's the foundation where all our beliefs and our values lie. So if we challenge our own story, we challenge who we are and all we believe in. So this is a really hard process that you're talking about. How can we maybe reevaluate our beliefs and values? Do we do that as part of our healing process? Yes, definitely. Because in this, in this idea of tapping into who you really are and loving your authentic self, you will challenge and change your value system because you will realize that who you really are meant to be and why you're here is oftentimes when you're locked in trauma and shame, completely different than the person you're living a life for right now it's really not, they tend to be not the same. So absolutely, when you start getting into this practice of, 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 of self-awareness and acknowledging these things, of course, you're going to challenge what you think you believe. That is interesting. Um, you, you cite a, a stat that I found fascinating, and I, it seemed to me that the number was high, but I guess I'm in the 30% that, that didn't have early childhood trauma. You say that 70% of people have gone through early life trauma. So can you define what trauma is? And then how do we move past that place to get to that happiness and self-acceptance you talk about? It, actually, it's a stat from the National Council for Mental Wellbeing. Wow. And it's 70% of us will experience trauma in our lifetime. And, and I know that seems high. I agree with you. But then there's part of me that thinks, gosh, maybe it's even higher because you know, there's people like me that never talked about right. drama. So reported it to a stat or something, right? So I'm not sure. So to me, it might seem a little low. So I think that's a really important thing though for people to understand is that they aren't alone in their pain or their suffering or their storytelling. Because the truth of the matter is you experience trauma and you have a brain, you're going to have a story. And typically it's going to be a negative one about who you are because of it. And it's really this key of you have to be ready. You have to want to heal. And I don't, I'm sure there's people out there listening to this. It's like just the same as if you've ever had a family member, a loved one dealing with addiction. It's the same concept of they have to want the help. They have to be ready to go. It's the same mental concept when you want to go on a healing journey and heal yourself from this past trauma and unearth all these stories is you have to want to do it. 
you know, and, I, and I, I'm in the the camp that says, yeah, you like you, Karina, that seventy percent maybe, maybe even light, because everybody I know, maybe with you as an exception, Chess, have gone through something pretty hard when they're a kid. But I think there's there's as we know, mini traumas and big traumas, and sometimes mini traumas add up to big traumas, but. It really depends, I'm guessing, on the person, because maybe moving from one town to another might be quite traumatic for one person, but another might not be. Um, you know, going through a divorce, I've, I've seen some in my extended family, and and some kids are traumatized by it, where others just, eh, it's nothing that big deal. Is, sort of, is there a variance of trauma that and, and impacts us all differently? Mm-hmm. This is such a great thing to talk about because this is another important thing I want the people listening to know is that, yes, I think, you know, society, culture, whatever, we put out this big T and little T trauma and somehow we have to categorize it. And I don't really feel like that's the case. I agree with you, Adrian. Like there are things where something affects me differently than you. And I think what happens is from what I know about brain science, a lot of it is how we come out of the womb. You know, how, who our mother was when she was carrying us. What are our dopamine levels? What's our serotonin? Like, what? who are we? How sensitive are we to the world around us? And they're just people are who are more sensitive. So something feels very traumatic to them. And then I think there's also this like resiliency factor where some people just keep bouncing up and bouncing up. And, and maybe that's you, Chess. Like maybe you're it just- is, It is, Chess. I would say, yeah, <laughs> yes, Yeah. 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 Hey, hey, okay. This is so great. And and we've learned so much from you today. I'm curious now what you are doing to keep your self-care where you want it to be, to keep help yourself thrive every day. What what give us some of your daily rituals that you found help you stay on this good path you're on? I am all about honoring my emotions. And that doesn't mean that like, oh, I'm, a, I'm in a bad mood, so I get to, you know, rage out against my husband or something, right? No, I'm saying like, if I'm feeling a certain way, I go step aside, I go spend some time alone, even if it's a few minutes, and I really say, what am I feeling right now? And I share some exercises in the book about, about that, and some of them are a little longer than others. But, you know, one thing I just, I love to do all the, every day, and I do it multiple times, is I just kind of like put my hand on my heart and a hand on my belly. And I just say, even though I'm feeling all this fear or anxiety, I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself. There's something about this idea and say it till you feel it, till you feel the love and the acceptance. There's something about that to me that just kind of shifts me into this moment of grace and and compassion for myself. And again, I feel like that's something we all need to do more of. Excellent. Hey, uh, we always like to ask our guests if there are two things you wanted people to take away from the conversation, what would those two things be? Definitely the stat. I want people to remember, like, you are not alone. That is a lot of people. So you're not alone in what you're experiencing. And I would also say that it is never too late to go on this healing journey. So many of us just take it on the chin. We think, oh yeah, I guess this is what I'm supposed to deal with the rest of my life. I have to stay in this job I don't really love, or I have to feel mediocre because of this, or happiness is never coming to me. That is not true. I want people to expect good things are coming their way, that they are worthy of that, that they are deserving. We all are. It's not like, oh, you were born in some lesser level, so you're not worthy of these things. That's not true. We are all here and we are all worthy. So I want people to remember that, that there's a road to healing and they're worthy of it. 
What a great way to end the podcast. Uh, thank you so much. The book again is Rise Above the Story. Go to riseabovethestory.com. Uh, Karina Kilcoin, you have been a delight. You're doing important work. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Karina. Thank you. Thank you so much. Adrian, so interesting. Uh, Rise Above the Story. Um, a personal journey and yet a journey that she wants to share with people that helps them you know, tell a better story and, and get to a better place of self-acceptance and happiness. I'm curious, what were your couple of big takeaways? Well, so, you know, so much we could take away from her personal story, but we all need to get to this point where we get away from our emotional brain and try more to get to our thinking brain, where we're able to process whatever trauma we've been through in life. And I think that's so important where we're more reasonable. And I love this, more compassionate with ourselves. Yeah, I, I loved her little ritual of hand on the heart and the stomach, mm, yeah. you know, that uh, I'll accept myself, better things are on the way. And that that positive self-talk was one of my big takeaways. Of course, you know, you've known me forever. I, I love that she journals. <laughs> I love that she would write in the journal and, yeah. and, and then go back and read her journals, which is a discipline I don't have, you know, that she took a look and said, well, let me go back to my journals. And how was I feeling and what, what did I write about and how have I changed? You know, your, your own personal story is kind of interesting. I always joke with my kids that I've written, you know, like 40 journals or something. <laughs> Everybody wants to read Winston Churchill's journeys, <laughs> journals, but nobody will read Chester. Maybe, maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important too. She's saying, look, there's a process here. Acknowledge your story, release the story. And you may have to do some work there. Go to your inner child and forgive yourself, forgive others, and then rise above it. Um, and as you go through that, you're going to challenge some of these beliefs and values that you're holding on to that may not be helpful to you. Yeah. My last takeaway is that you're not alone. That's 70%. And it was interesting yeah. that I thought it was high and you both thought it was low, <laughs> <laughs> but this idea, I, I do think that's important. We talk about that all the time. If yeah. you're suffering anxiety is realize that everybody, you know, almost everybody has gone through it and you're not alone. Yeah. And that yeah. while you are uh, accepting and forgiving of others, you're less likely to forgive yourself. That was a really exactly. a good takeaway. You're not alone. Hey, don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. And yeah, I love myself. I accept myself. You know, what a great comment, a great way to end. And by the way, you know who we love and accept is our producer, Brent Klein, <laughs> our great booker, Christy Lawrence, and all of you who listen in. We want to thank you for, uh, for especially if you download the podcast that helps build this network. We'd also love you to visit to thecultureworks.com for some free resources to help you and your team culture thrive, including getting a sneak peek at our new journal coming out in March, right, Chess? The Gratitude Habit. The Gratitude Habit, 90 Days to a More Grateful Life. And we do love speaking to audiences around the world virtually or in person. We've presented in 45 different countries. I find that fascinating. And uh, we talk about culture. We talk about teamwork. We talk about resilience. Give us a call. We'd like to talk to you about your next upcoming event. And as always, Adrian, I will give you the last one. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Until next time, we wish you the best of mental health. Thank you.